Hello, drama mamas and daughters. It's Dr. Nikki here and Angie and I are back, but we are really diving deep into the show Never Have I Ever, which is such a wonderful show. So fun to watch with your children, really get to know these characters, understand what motivates them, have fantastic discussions, all with a little bit of comedy and humor, which is pretty great. So find a piece of couch, enjoy a snack together, and watch Never Have I Ever with us. This is episode one and two that we watched for this particular podcast episode, and we'll be back next week with episode three and four. All right. Love you guys. Mwah. Hi, everybody. Welcome. Welcome back. So good to be here. And we're with a whole new a whole new show. So we're talking today about Never Have I Ever. And this is our first episode on Never Have I Ever. So we both we watched the pilot and we watched the second episode. So we've met the characters and the show seems like a lot of fun. Nikki, what do you think? I definitely think it's a lot of fun. I mean, it's quite the variation from Gossip Girl, that's for sure. And I just it'd be great for you to tell them why it was that you wanted to actually go in this direction and we'll get back to gossip girl, or we might not get back to gossip girl, because I think that everything we do actually makes a really huge difference in terms of helping people see, you know, the way people act and whether you want that to be you or not, or, or whether you can relate in some ways, and then you can all relate to each other, but tell me why it is you want, because you were so insistent about this, Angie, you were like, (laughs) I want to watch never have I ever I'm watching that with my kids we need to watch never have I ever <laughs> like okay what? that is not the way I remember it no okay <laughs> so we were watching Gossip Girl having a lot of fun with that and those characters and then we started talking about other shows I actually had heard from a couple other parents I was asking everybody what shows do you watch with your kid do you have discussions around those shows? Do you, so people were saying, oh, we watch Gilmore Girls. That's one that there's a lot of discussions to be had. And Stranger Things was a popular one. Um, And Never Have I Ever. I knew that my kids had watched Never Have I Ever. I hadn't seen one episode of Never Have I Ever, but I knew it was popular. And then I thought maybe that could be the one you and I were bouncing back and forth on, what we should watch so I then I watched one episode and thought yes this is the show this is a a little bit of a different direction than Gossip Girl a lot of great topics to consider she is coming from the perspective of a young Indian girl starting sophomore year and um, it's Mindy Kaling's writing who I love Mindy Kaling from The Office and her kind of journey into owning her own humor and wisdom and her own value. So I'm really excited about this show. 
Yeah, no, I, I definitely got the feeling you were excited about the show. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to make it sound like you were taking no, and then I, I must like have that. been like, Nikki, watch this right now. <laughs> it felt it felt to me because you you definitely had a strong opinion about wanting to do this. And that was so great because I really I think the more excited we get about things, I'm sure the more excited you guys will get about things. And I think the better conversations we have. So I'm totally into us watching whatever it is we're interested in. So, you know, I, I feel that way about the movies that we watch for bonus episodes, all of it. So this is really exactly. exciting. It's like, um, it's like a self-help book. You could read it, but if it's boring and you're not interested in it, it's not going to help you. But I think we can use watching Never Have I Ever as a self-help guide, but it's really fun. We can learn some lessons on our own emotional awareness and our thinking around if if anyone is thinking, if I just lost my virginity to a really amazing guy, that would definitely mean that I'm pretty and I'm worthwhile and I would be happy if that happened. And you think that it's not exactly the result that everyone's going to get, but you know, it's fun to look at that, to, to figure it all out. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. And it's really interesting that they came to school with this idea about how they were going to be cool that year. Now, Davy's the one who felt like she needed a very specific recipe book for coolness. Like, what was it? You know, boyfriend being invited to a party. The boyfriend had to be a particular way. Now, her friends already thought that they were cool. Like, they liked what they were doing. They thought that they were having fun and that everything was okay. And I see that in a lot of different things, like where one person seems somehow like they seem to know what, what it takes to be cool and they're not in the dark about it, but they seem miserable. Like they are the most you know, upset or dissatisfied ones of the group and the rest of the group, which you might say are somehow like either not with it or they're not noticing things or they somehow are oblivious or in the dark are having a really great time with whatever they're doing. And her friends were pretty fun. So I thought it was really interesting how she felt like there was something in particular they needed to do to be cool that was different than what they were doing and her friends didn't even realize it yeah I think yeah it's definitely showing her mindset of thinking things must change and essentially if we look deeply she's probably thinking I have to change myself we don't see any sign that Davy is thinking I can, I'm acceptable as who I am. She's thinking, she starts out praying to her altar in her room. And the prayer is like, I want to meet a hottie. And she just wants to change her life. And, and she's been stuck in the role of, I think she called it paralyzed kid whose dad died at a concert. So she's, thinking that everyone thinks of her as this girl in the wheelchair also she has that the her legs didn't work for a year which again is like that mind-body connection we have an emotional response to something and then our body physically represents that by shutting down in some way um and you know people might suggest or say we don't know why this is happening and maybe not everyone is making the connection to an emotional trauma having a physical effect on your body 
somehow she has overcome that and she's just ready for this new beginning with a very intentional set of tasks that she wants to cross off the list to be cool. And the other girls we see are enjoying themselves, loving who they are, happy being the drama queen and I mean, drama involved in the drama class, like theater, not in a drama queen way. And we see Oh, she's um, definitely a drama girls. queen too. I mean, <laughs> she was quite over the top and <laughs> when she was talking about Davy's legs. So yeah, no, she's definitely the drama queen too. And then Fabiola, who's, you know, the smart kind of robotics girl. But, yes. but it's and interesting how the- them feel like they need to change. They didn't show up thinking I want to change who I am this year. Yeah, they thought they were pretty cool. And even like on Dress Sexy Day, they dressed as sexy as they thought they would be, which was not kind of traditionally cool or sexy, but they were pretty happy with themselves. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting them trying to be somebody who they're not. Like you could definitely tell that Fabiola is actually from what what they implied is interested in women, but somehow is forced to, you know, chase after some guy that she doesn't particularly like, or just does it because she thinks, or at least Davy thinks that they need to be something different in order to be acceptable and cool. Exactly. Yeah. But I like, I like the show for portraying that neither girl follows Davy's rules to a T, but in their own way, like you said, she said, I'm wearing a size medium polo shirt and the janitor is comparing me to his favorite nephew like that was really good I thought that was good and and didn't and her other friend the the drama girl why am I blanking on her name but she was wearing her flapper dress and she was feeling pretty awesome exactly yeah no that Um, was pretty funny what's with the John McEnroe thing explain to me like how how this happened (laughs) why he's narrating this I feel like I'm being too enthusiastic, but I love the John McEnroe thing. I was thinking of it as like, he is the most show your rage, honest, emotional response character I can think of. John McEnroe, who is probably not a familiar character to the younger generation, was hurling his tennis racket and screaming at people and having a very public tantrum which we do not see he wasn't an actor he wasn't faking a tantrum in a movie scene he was being himself in this completely emotional meltdown of anger and rage so I love that Davy has chosen him to associate with like I show my emotions I have anger and rage inside me and I hurl my textbook out the window yeah like he's a quintessential hothead that's the but it was her dad that actually liked him and wanted her to be more like him as compared to her mom who wanted her to be a certain way and act a certain way like she did for the cousin Davy's cousin Kamala that she was supposed to be a certain way and kind of follow tradition it's always an interesting thing trying to figure out how to marry the traditional parts of your life and especially South Asian or in like in an East Indian tradition where the tradition is so long and has been around for so long and very very kind of 
filled with family and expectation. And so to be able to, to have both the traditional mm -hmm. American value, as well as a traditional Indian or Hindu value, it, it, I think they were praying to a Hindu altar, you know, so it was just, it was, it's really interesting to think about the juxtaposition of those two kinds of lives. Right. I think that's why the cousin Kamala is there as that comparison of mm. Davy thinks of her as beautiful and perfect. And she is more following the rules of the traditions than Davy is at this point. And the mom kind of poking fun at the idea when she says, you can you can tell your husband all of that once you're married. He can see the real you and that you have drive and ambition to complete your degree. But before then, we have to keep it a secret and pretend that you are a vegetarian or all of the things that she needed to pretend in order to be a good match for the fiance they have chosen for her which we see her on the zoom call with right i mean but don't you think that women feel like they have to do that all the time like how many times do do i hear young girls say well i don't want him to think that i'm too smart you know or they they're kind of dumbing themselves down in a certain way or not being you know too good at sports or too good like i think there's a way in which we as women in general like i think that's a, a an even more extreme version of it, but, but we definitely feel like as a girl, whether we're acceptable, whether we're too much or not, whether we're too smart or not. I mean, all of that is, is part of where we girls somehow feel like we have to be a certain way in order to attract somebody to us. Mm -hmm. And too emotional or too angry, I would add too, mm. right? We're like, Oh, I can't, react to, I can't get too upset when someone does something I don't like or show any of my anger, or I can't cry too much. That thing where we're like, stop crying. I'm not going to cry. I'm not crying. The, I think there are a lot of parts we hide and question about ourselves. Or like you said, I don't want to Right. I mean, we definitely are some of that, but, but also as girls, we get to do a little more of that. So we get to be even closer to other girls. We get to hold their hands and be physical with them without any, you know, anyone thinking anything. And we definitely get to cry or be upset a little bit more, but still we're holding something back. So it's really interesting to think that we can have a little more of it and still we're not completely ourselves. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And this show, it's a great opportunity to look at different cultures because every different culture has that expectation of who's allowed to be emotional, how much you're allowed to be emotional, how smart you're allowed to be, what, yeah, what is expected of you as far as school and work and raising a family. And I saw that growing up for sure, different cultures and different ethnicities raising their kids differently but also we all kind of had the awareness of that's okay for your family but our family does it differently or you do that because you're Asian and our family does it this way because we're white or uh, and moving around a lot I do see that my um, daughter was in gymnastics and the Russian coaches with the Russian groups of gymnasts 
could be more strict and more condemning and kind of use their hands to physically push and help stretch the kids when, for instance, if they're doing their splits or even stand on the kids. And then there was this understanding that you can't do that to the foreigners because all the parents will freak out sort of under the idea of the like sensitive or overly sensitive Americans like oh you Americans you can't we're like no 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 you can't stretch our kids in the the perception there was that we were raising much wimpier kids and that it was helpful and okay to lead gymnasts in this way in one culture but not in another culture just oh, noticing so those interesting yeah I think I think that's true because my kids went to a bilingual Mandarin English school when they were really young and I speak Mandarin and so but it was a um, you know kind of a it was a, a Chinese led school. And so there was a lot more rigor when it came to how many hours people were studying and what was expected. And I knew that a lot of the white families actually didn't send their kids to that school because they felt like it would be too much, which was really interesting because it was one of the best schools in our particular district. And, you know, we, we live in New York city. And so you want to go to a really good local school and you have some choice, but there was still this idea that somehow it was more rigorous than what we would want our kids to experience when they're young. And that was really interesting to me. So I totally hear what you're saying. And remember that comment that Davy's mother made when she said something about like, you know, I'm going to slap you because Davy called her a bitch. And then she said, you know, slapping is an acceptable form of punishment. What was it in minority cultures? And yes. I thought that yeah, was it was something like a lot of minority cultures that's still acceptable today. You know? <laughs> right, right, right. And, you know, I, I always think about that in terms of, you know, because when I think about the racism in the United States, which is probably the most visible of oppression that I see, you know, is that people are treated with harshness within the outside world. And then I think that the harshness ends up becoming replicated at home in order to prepare people for the harshness outside. You know, it's, it's just been interesting to think about. And so I don't sit in judgment about where people parent in a particular way. And it's, it's most likely the way that they've been parented. And it really is for protection, even though it, it feels really scary, you know? So I, I, I wrote a book about this a little bit, but it, it was really like, actually we have to show even that much more compassion at home when the outside world is really harsh because the harshness at home doesn't actually prepare you for whatever happens outside. It's really having close, strong connections with your family that will prepare you to be able to come back, get centered again, and then go out and fight a good fight. So I think that's about such that. a good point. Yeah, I think it is. It's such a layered, uh, I mean, idea. I have seen kind of parents in different cultures kind of pull their kids braids like maybe a six-year-old little girl and yank on it as a form of punishment as like stop doing this or don't talk that way or um and in that culture I know it's it's loving right like I grew up this way this means I care about you I care about your safety I care about your actions I'm out with you I'm taking you to classes I feed you and nourish you in like a loving grandma way and I'm also a grandma who will pull your braids 
when you step out of line and the grandma is feeling like I love and adore this child and want the best for them. And the kid, I think, may also be feeling I am loved and adored by my grandma and given, you know, treated with a very lavish life. And also she pulls my braids sometimes when I step out of line and not feeling it as a, like, this is a terrible thing that she's pulling my braids or I never should have had my braids pulled as a child or something. It's a different way of looking at it. I'm not saying that one is better or that everyone should pull the braids of their kids, but um, well, I, I think that kids are, I think kids mind. are always pissed about it though. Like, I think that it still makes you really angry and it still kind of gives you the idea that somebody bigger can actually be physical with somebody smaller. So I, I'm, I, I do know that people still know that they're loved and I do know that they understand that this is kind of an acceptable form and they don't expect anything different, but, but I also know that people do get mad about it <laughs> and the kids do That's feel kind of manhandled think- about it. I have friends now, 45 year old friends who do the, um, flicking, right? So this is something I hate that thought Maybe a two year old. They're like, yep, I was raised that way. It works. And that's what I do. And they do a flicking, but also very like loving, wonderful friends and parents that I'm like, why don't you do that to your kid? And they're like, yes, I can. That's how I was raised. And they don't feel animosity about it they feel like yeah that worked like I grew up well (laughs) and learned my lesson or something I don't know um and are continuing it so definitely that I'm I did not feel compelled to like or inspired like "Hmm, that's something I want to instill and use in my parenting as well but I can that's the interesting thing like so if that's what was done to you Is that necessarily the right way or not? Because you turned out okay? Like, you know, because there are definitely lots of people who have not turned out feeling somehow balanced and well-adjusted and happy. You know what I mean? Like, so what's the definition of turning out okay? And just because it happened to us that way didn't mean that that was the right way. That just meant that that's what they could figure out under the best of circumstances for them. And I think that we just get to reevaluate it. Like, how would we feel if somebody flicked us? Like, how would we feel as adults if we got flicked in the head or somebody Mm -hmm. smacked us across the head? I'd be pretty pissed off. Mm -hmm. And I, I just like, there's something about about why we feel like that's an okay and acceptable behavior for somebody who's younger, smaller with no economic abilities and no ability to make decisions on their own and not saying that they should necessarily and not saying that they can, but I I do know how I feel at this point, if somebody did that to me, and I definitely know how I felt when somebody was yelling at me. So, so I don't know. I mean, I totally hear what you're saying. And again, it's not like sitting in judgment. I think it's just that we get to decide like, does that really make sense just because it happened? There's a lot of crappy things that happened in the past and I don't think they make sense. And some people turned out okay. And some people didn't. So I I totally hear what you're saying. And I, I think these are really good discussions to have because I think you just get to decide intentionally. You know, it's not just a matter of like, well, I've been doing this for however many years, or my parents did that or that generation before, like 
they were a different generation. They're raising their kids in different times. There are different distractions right now than there were before different abilities and understandings. Like we get to evolve and that's, that's what we do as a, as a, as a, as a people, as a world, like we exactly. Yes. So having, so I love that this show kind of brought that up to say, to identify when the mom said, I will smack you. And we don't see her as like a terrible, evil character. She's obviously very loving and she has had her own trauma with her husband dying and she finds lost herself a baby. a little unexpected yeah the loss of the baby and yeah. maybe mm-hmm. a miscarriage and it, and she's like empowering herself with that scooter when she gets on the motorbike yeah. and so she also is layered and we don't see her as just evil but I like that it's bringing forward this discussion right as teenagers oh. watch maybe they can start thinking is that acceptable? Is it not? How am I going to raise my kids? Probably most teenagers are not <laughs> how they're going to raise their right, kids, right. but true, true, true. It's, they get to go from both ends, you right. know, and, and even the parents thinking the about how they were raised. Like we do get that, that wonderful opportunity to decide, oh, I was raised this way. And did I like that or not like that for whatever reason, because we've had that experience. I think sometimes we forget we've had it, that experience of being raised or being a teenager or whatever it was. So I think it's really interesting to be able to have both perspectives as the parent. Yes. Yeah. And I like the way the show is portrayed. You mentioned this too. It's, it's a little cutesy and funny. These are really heavy, painful issues, right? It's when you, I remember being a teenager and having that feeling, or if someone insulted me at school and kind of said, you're unlovable or no one could ever find you attractive if someone said that would be days and weeks and months of me kind of repeating that in the back of my mind wondering if that was true no matter who said it if it was somebody I thought was a jerk who I didn't care about their opinion um it's like painful dark emotions her her dad has died and I like that these emotions are brought to the forefront and it's easy to watch in a light and funny way but also we can recognize and honor that these things are much harder to face in real life that we're not living in a quippy sarcastic sitcom right I mean, I do like the fact that her emotions are so incredibly raw. And even though the mom threatened to slap her, she still called her a bitch and Mm -hmm. threw a chemistry textbook out of the window. So it's like, she's no wallflower in terms of showing her emotions. So I kind of like that. That's for sure. But she is definitely suffering and she's feeling a lot of pain. That's, Mm -hmm. and it is portrayed in a very, kind of funny, cutesy, over the top way, which is much more easy to digest for me in some ways than Gossip Girl, where I'm sitting on the edge of my seat waiting for somebody to turn on somebody else in a way that's not so incredibly visible. Yeah, that's true. This is, this is lighter. Like I thought one line that I wrote down was when the teacher said like, systemic racism is not litty 
and the the teacher's trying to be cool and use the popular slang and he's dabbing and it all just comes off as you just want to roll your eyes but also relatable as teachers that throughout life are trying to connect with the younger generation and they're trying to make it relevant and then maybe these important issues like systemic racism also get washed away a little bit in trying to to make it cool or hip to discuss and you just get all the the points of that at once in one little line yeah no that's true but I think that discussing these things and actually thinking about things will always be not easy and will be messy I, I feel like I'm going to mess that up all the time in some ways, but you have to keep trying because unless you do, you don't really move the needle on any of this at all. And I think it's really important to keep talking about it, even if it gets messy or uncomfortable, or we say the wrong thing, we, we could actually figure out how people can tell us we said the wrong thing and, and us actually hear it as opposed to feeling like a piece of crap going yeah. And I feel like this show, it's kind of, it's representing both sides. Like there's the stereotypes of maybe like the dorky crew are, would be in, somebody would be in a robotics club or somebody would be in a wheelchair or I don't know what, and the stereotype that of a teacher and the stereotype of, they had kind of the principal who said, settle this yourselves and don't tell your parents they had the um I don't know I was thinking there were a few stereotypes represented and then also breaking the mold of the stereotypes so there's the jock the arrogant jock but then we see that he has a sensitive side there's the um the robotics you know club best friend who also has is like really funny and has this other side to her so um, De- Davy is in the in her stereotype of whatever she's been stereotyped cast as, and she's completely breaking free from that and and being a different person with a lot more layers than that stereotype. So I appreciated that. Yeah, me too. And I I guess just to you know that whole last part where she had offered herself to have sex with Paxton as the way in which she was going to break out of her uncoolness Mm -hmm. and still couldn't figure out how to do it. But I also like that he couldn't figure out how to do it either. So, you know, there was a enough, enough in the way to get them to actually not make a decision that, that really wouldn't help anybody to feel better. That's for sure. Yeah. Right. It's all the, I mean, and her, her techniques like her system for getting there I like the like we'll just dress slutty to impress the boys that's step one or something and then showing up in the short skirt and the high heels and then that idea that that is what I need to do is change my appearance which leads to attracting a boy and then the way that she shares the story with the friends is that the Paxton approached her and and just all the ideas that we can kind of build up even as a 25 year old as a 45 year old as 
if I take these steps, this will change my life. And really it's just accepting ourselves on the inside. There are no steps you take that absolutely certainly lead to whatever outcome you're expecting. And definitely not lead to happiness. That's for sure. And I think about this a lot. So that whole idea about you being happy when you become this or when you have that, but then when that happens, you have all of the complications and difficulties of that particular thing too. So, so it is, it's the journey that you have to somehow be happy with as you go along to get to your happy future. But, but nobody is ever, I think about that because people always talk about like when they're really reliving their past thinking, oh, that was the best time in my life. And when you think about it, they actually didn't enjoy that best time in their life, but somehow it seemed better than it is at the moment. And then other people are trying to decide that the future was going to be better if they had certain things. So I see it go both ways, like the the past being better or the future being better, but the present doesn't seem good enough. We're never really happy with the present. No, what's that about? And if we can think back to all the times you thought, if I can just get an A, if I can just pass this class, if I can just get into this college, if I can just get this degree, then it will mean that I'm smart or I'm capable or I'm responsible. Then everyone will see that my life is wonderful. If I can get this relationship or if it, and we all, live in achieving those goals and continuing to have struggle. It just, yeah, life no, it's is not- so true. I mean, so, so I'm a doctor, right. And I feel stupid so often, Angie, I can't begin to tell you. And I know it's not necessarily true, but just getting that degree didn't necessarily mean that I all of a sudden was feeling smart. So it's just really interesting. And I think that's true of of all of us that once we achieve that, we don't hang around long enough to enjoy it, but then we also don't necessarily feel much better about ourselves either. Yeah. 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 I mean, yes, I relate to that and it's hard. I'm, I'm this old and I still think like, okay, if I do this, everything will be great. Right, right, right. It's like, wait. (laughs) Yeah. Anything else or? No, I can't. I'm looking forward to see, seeing what happens next with with all of you. Right. So everybody watch the first two episodes. Hopefully I'm going to give a, a little intro so we could get you to watch it before you listen, or at least listen and then watch pretty soon after. And, um, and we'll, we'll definitely get questions out and ideas to think about, but have a really great time doing this. This is supposed to be fun. Like communicating is joyous and fun and doesn't have to be really hard. So we're hoping that you guys will have just a really, really great time doing this. Yeah. So glad you're here. All right. Well, we'll speak to you next week, guys. Watch episode three and four before, uh, before you come back and see us, if you want to, if you want to like jump ahead here. All right. Bye. See you next week.
shadow that's crossing my face, no disease. Ain't got no bows, ribbons in my hair. Looking down south, and there's something new growing down there. Yeah, baby girls, now a big bad boy. Can't understand why I'm still not your pride and joy. How could you not know? How could you not see that all of this time God's been making a man out of me? The sun that you wanted, or so you said. Some kind of stranger spawned from that seed. Felt the back of your hand on my face. Now I'm out on the street. You gave it a boy. Hey, you're losing your girl. I never meant to mess up your beautiful world. Red-blooded, God-fearing man.